Hey, it's Peter Dugan, and thanks for downloading the podcast. If you like the show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution to our nonprofit so that we can keep it all going. Please give at fromthetop.org, and thanks so much. From NPR, it's From the Top. Celebrating the power of music. In the hands of America's kids. Hello, your host, Peter Dugan here, and welcome to the program. You know, we consider all the fabulous young musicians on our show to be leaders simply because of their level of commitment to music, their discipline, passion, and focus as performers. But often, the scope of their leadership goes way beyond their abilities as musicians. Like on today's program, we'll meet a teenage flutist who started an online nonprofit that has the participation of young people from all over the world. We'll meet a sibling duo with a beautiful story about connecting with other kids at their local children's hospital. And there's our first performer, who sees her career as blazing a new trail in the field. We'll hear why in just a few minutes, but first we're going to hear her play. Her name is Lydia Hanji, she's 17 and from Vestavia Hills, Alabama, and her instrument is the trumpet. Lydia, thanks so much for opening up our program. Introduce your piece, if you would, and tell us who's joining you on the piano today. I will be playing Oliver's Birthday by Bruce Broughton, and my pianist is Yaru Chong. And should we be ready for, I mean, is this a happy birthday or a sort of reflective, meditative one? Um, it's definitely a happy birthday. Okay, so if I'm picturing like a little kid's uh, sheet cake with a dinosaur on it and balloons, am I on the right track? Yes, definitely. Great. Whenever you're ready, please take it from the top.
Trumpeter Lydia Hanji, 17 years old from Vestavia Hills, Alabama, performed Oliver's Birthday by American composer Bruce Broughton. Yaru Chung was at the piano. And Lydia is one of our Jack Kent Cooke Young Artists and a student at the Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan, where she is recording right now. Lydia, that was such a jubilant and exciting performance. I love the energy you bring to it. Thank you. You've got a lot of music happening in your family. Tell me a little bit about your siblings and what they play. Yeah, so my sister, uh, she first started off um, playing trombone in middle school. And when she got to high school, she started singing opera. And I have two brothers. One of them is 11, and he just started playing baritone. And the other one is 16, and he's been playing saxophone since middle school. Now, you're obviously incredibly dedicated to your trumpet studies. Are your siblings all just as focused? Um, I would say my sister is. She's at Oberlin studying opera. Cool. I find it fascinating that you have this very musical family, but I know that neither of your parents play music. What do they do? Uh, My dad is a truck driver, and my mom uh, does kind of a little bit of everything. She um, is a delivery driver, and she cooks African food. And sells it. Right, because both of your parents immigrated to the U.S. from Tanzania, right? Yes, they did. What, how do you feel about, um, as, as a child of, of immigrants, and uh, what, what has that experience been like for you? Um, I think for my parents to move to America was really inspirational for me because they're both hard workers, and I know it was really hard for them um, to just leave their family behind and leave everything behind but they wanted to build a better life for their children, which is what they did. So it really inspires me to really work hard in my music. I know for a lot of parents, especially parents who have gone through the difficult experience of immigrating to the U.S., sometimes it's tough for a parent to want their kids to pursue music given the financial risks that that career can involve. Have you had those conversations in your house? And I'm I'm wondering, what... What have your parents felt about the fact that you and your sister have been so focused on this career? Yeah, so I feel like uh, those conversations mostly happened with my sister Mm -hmm. um, when she was starting because she's older than me and she's really resilient and she, when she wants something, she goes for it. So even though like there was some arguing and conflict about music and it being, uh, like a career or not. Yeah. Uh, my sister really pushed for it to happen. And she was very successful in that. So when I started, um, my mom actually wanted me to be in band. So because of your sister's success, your mom really encouraged you to pursue music. Yeah. That's wonderful. Lydia, as you know, conversations around diversity and inclusion have been more present uh, than ever before in classical music and in, in every field, really. We've been learning so much. And, you know, when I think about uh, black women trumpeters, I'm so aware that this is an identity that is not represented or acknowledged in the same way as many other musicians may be. What challenges would you say you found come along with being a black woman playing trumpet? Yeah, so I would just say, like, um, it's kind of kind of different to, like, go to festivals and, like, coming to Interlock and or anything like that, and um, not seeing people like you. But I feel like that just encourages me to work harder and reach my goals so I could be that person for someone else. It's a wonderful attitude. Uh, But, of course, it's not just in music that you're a leader. 
you're also a leader within Interlochen's student government. What are you doing exactly there, and what appeals to you about being part of that team? Yeah, so I'm um, a music representative uh, for the student representative board, and what we really focus on is uh, bridging the gap between the student body and administration and just trying to resolve conflicts or if there's something that like is a problem like within the dorms or with my friends that it is brought to their attention so we can resolve issues. Well, I love that you are, you know, a voice of the people there at Interlochen and that you have that agency. I I find it inspiring. And uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and for that very exciting performance. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Lydia Hanji, 17, from Vestavia Hills, Alabama, and currently studying at the Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan. For the last 15 years, from the top in the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, have awarded over $3 million in scholarships to talented young musicians who have financial need. We still have more to give. Go to fromthetop.org to learn more. Peter. Thanks, Joanne. I met with our next young performer, Amy Wang, in Philadelphia, which is about two hours north of her home in West Friendship, Maryland. Amy's 17, and she brought the second movement of George Frederick Handel's Flute Sonata in A minor. I'm at the piano. Thank you. 
the second movement of George Frederick Handel's Flute Sonata in A minor, performed by 17-year-old flutist Amy Huang from West Friendship, Maryland. Peter Dugan here, and I was at the piano. Amy, what a delightful performance. It absolutely sparkled, and I love all your ornaments that you play on the repeats. It just brings so much life and interest to the music. Thank you. You're not only a fine flutist, though, you're also an entrepreneur. Talk about the Doremi Project. What is it? How did it get started? Yeah, sure. So the Doremi Project is a nonprofit I founded, um, which provides free online music lessons to kids around the world. And we're really passionate about making music education more accessible. So being a flutist for so long, I've learned that music education is really expensive. You know, you have to pay for lessons, for music, um, to get your instrument repaired. And not everyone has access to that. So we're basically linking all these passionate high school musicians with kids who really like music but may not be able to afford it. And we're bringing them together to make the Dory Me Project. Such a beautiful idea. And I think some people, knowing that you're 17, might think this is a very local project confined to your area, your school, but actually the scope has been huge. Talk about the reach of this project. Yeah, of course. So when I first started, it was local, confined to Maryland, but as the Dormy project grew, a lot of people started telling each other about it and spreading it through social media, and we've actually been able to grow to more than a thousand members from um, all over the U.S., but also internationally. So we have tutors from Brazil, China, India, Germany, and then in more than 30 U.S. states. So it's been really crazy getting to see um, and connect people from all over the world. It's such a wonderful achievement. Everyone can check it out at doremiproject.org. Given the hard work of starting a music organization, along with just normal teenage life, you've got to find ways, I assume, to blow off steam. And from what I understand, for you, blowing off steam sometimes takes the form of sparring with your brother. <laughs> Yes. I recently got my second degree black belt in Taekwondo. My brother has a third degree black belt, but we still, I think we're still pretty even when we spar. Um, (laughs) Taekwondo is something that I've done since I was really young. And I think it provides a lot of benefits to flute playing too. You know, I have Mm. to watch my fingers when I spar, but Taekwondo has been something I really enjoy. I heard that sometimes the furniture takes a hit when you and your brother go at it. (laughs) Yes. So uh, one of the techniques we have to do um, is called a takedown where it's, it's basically like picking them, um, uh, picking them up and then like catapulting them onto the ground. Right. And we can't do that on the wood floor. So um, (laughs) one time we were like, we should just use like the guest bed. So we got on the guest bed and we were practicing it. And all of a sudden we hear this huge like thump and we were like, Oh my gosh, what happened? And we got off and what actually happened is we like, crush one of the bed planks like supporting the bed right (laughs) yeah but no one got hurt no no one got hurt just the bed was that because you took down your brother or your brother was that from your brother taking you down do you remember i don't but let's just say i was taking down my brother yes i know that you enjoy of course this competition with your brother and with sparring but as far as music competitions go i read that you actually don't enjoy those so much can you talk about why that is Yeah, so when I first started music, I was doing piano competitions, and they would make me so nervous. Like, Mm. I would get up there, I would worry about how my competitors played, or what the judges were thinking of me, or, I don't know, just, like, what other people were thinking, what other people were doing, and... um, A really valuable life lesson, I think, that my flute teacher told me was that when you're doing competitions, the most important thing you can do and the most helpful thing you can do is to just focus on yourself and focus on what you can do because 
no, everything that everyone else is doing is outside of your control. You yeah. can't control what other people think or how much they practice or <laughs> what they're doing. So the most important thing is to just focus on yourself. And I think that has really shifted my mindset and competitions to really focus on bettering myself and, you know, just really enjoying myself. And I think that that lesson um, translates outside of flute too and like in life in general. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you're already discovering these things at the age of 17. So good for you. You're a, you're a CEO, you're a fantastic <laughs> flutist and you've got your head on straight and uh, just so great to meet you. And thanks for being here and for that yeah. great performance. Thank you so much. Amy Huang, 17 years old from West Friendship, Maryland. If you subscribe to From the Top's podcast, you can download whatever episodes you want and listen on demand. They're available at fromthetop.org. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and our next young performer is another Jack Kent Cooke young artist. He's 17 years old from Edina, Minnesota, which is just outside of Minneapolis. He's a very talented cellist, and his name is Dennis Um. Dennis, welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you. I'm glad to be on here. We're going to hear you perform Mendelssohn's Song Without Words, but before you do... Can we talk for a minute about the joy of returning to a piece of music? And what I mean is, I find it can be really wonderful to go back to a piece that I first learned years before, and then to relearn and really rediscover it. Didn't you do just that with this Mendelssohn? Yeah, so I think the first time I played this was when I was in third grade. And back wow. then, I kind of really appreciated the simplicity of the music, but the middle section where it kind of moves and there is a more of a complex development throughout, that kind of really hit me hard when I returned to it in my high school years. Was there a moment that made you decide to revisit this piece? So it was honestly kind of a random chance moment because um, I came across Stephen Israelis's recording of this mm-hmm. and I was just really struck by the difference and the way I really felt when I heard the piece and being able to kind of reflect on my own experiences on that music. Mm. Well, it's really interesting because who knows what this piece will mean to you, you know, another 10 years later from now. And that's the beauty of it. But Mm -hmm. for now, let's go ahead and enjoy where you are with this piece right now at this very moment in your life. This is Dennis Um performing... The Song Without Words, Opus 109 in D Major by Felix Mendelssohn. And the pianist is Mirjana Multiva. Thank you. 
We heard Felix Mendelssohn's Song Without Words in D major performed by 17-year-old cellist Dennis Um from Edina, Minnesota. Mirjana Motiva was at the piano. Dennis, I love this piece. You know, Mendelssohn wrote many songs without words for solo piano, but I think this is the only one that has another instrument. And there's a lyricism and a melodicism that you bring to this piece, which I feel like I could never match that on the piano. So I'm quite jealous of you in that sense. Thank you. Dennis, I know that you immigrated to the United States from Korea. And so like a lot of From the Top performers, you went through the massively difficult and trying experience of adapting to a new culture. But I was particularly taken by what you did when you got to high school to really strengthen your English. Yeah. So when I first came here from Korea, I didn't really know the language very well. And over the years, I got accustomed to it. But still, English was something that I wasn't confident in. And for that reason, I was constantly nervous when I was talking with other people. Mm. When I got to high school, however, I had the chance to see debaters um, doing a round and kind of talking really fast. And I was kind of taken aback and I was enraptured because... They're speaking at levels that I would have never even thought of speaking at. <laughs> right. Even though I was a little bit scared, I was immediately kind of drawn to the activity. And when I got there, I honestly found this supportive family of other debaters who mm. would constantly encourage me, even if I tripped up or had, had um, issues or made mistakes. And right. with the activity, I just really became grounded in speaking and English overall. That's so great. That confidence is so important. And I'm sure that ties into the confidence you bring on the stage, too. You know, even though you are relatively new to America, you're already giving back to our collective culture. And a lot of from the top players give back through music. But you found a way to give back through computer coding. Why and how are you doing that? Computer science has always been interesting for me because there is kind of that artistic element to it. When I think mm. about all the structures and algorithms and like the overall shape of the code, it always seemed like a piece of art. And it really showed me another way to create something valuable for other people. And... The main way I kind of found my place in computer science was um, making education more accessible, especially because I wouldn't have gotten into coding without a lot of the accessible volunteer opportunities that mm. supported me and mentored me throughout my journey. So tell me about how you've been volunteering now. So I volunteer at a California nonprofit called Robotics for All. My main role has been creating a tutoring software for tutors and students to easily schedule sessions with each other. It's so wonderful. Dennis, I want to applaud you and commend you for the way you, you share your thoughts, with whether it's debating or sharing your music like you did with us on the cello, and even sharing your love of coding. It's just a wonderful thing, and I appreciate your wonderful sharing spirit that you bring to all you do. Thank you. Thank you. Dennis um, is 17 years old. He's from Edina, Minnesota. 
nine out of ten young musicians recommend watching Daily Joy videos every day to significantly improve the quality of one's life. These Daily Joy videos feature beautiful music performances by young artists, and you can sign up for the fun at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. From the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Coming up, one of the very few teenage harpsichordists we've ever had on the program performs a tour de force piece by French Baroque composer Pancras Royer. From the Top's host, pianist Peter Dugan, is sponsored by Susan and Gerald Slavitt. The Orchard String Duo is unusual in a couple of different ways. First off, they're a guitar-harp duo, which you just don't hear all that often. Secondly, their brother and sister, 16-year-old guitarist Andrew Barbuda and 15-year-old harpist Aidan Barbuda. They're from Sacramento, California, and here's their performance of Sweet Logique by contemporary French composer Eric Marchelli.
Orchard String Duo performed Sweet Logique by Eric Marchelli. They're a brother and sister team with 16-year-old guitarist Andrew Barbuda and 15-year-old harpist Aiden Barbuda from Sacramento, California. Man, I could listen to the two of you all day. Your instruments just complement each other in the most beautiful way. And it's almost like it's hard to tell sometimes where the guitar leaves off and the harp begins. It's just this wonderful combinations of sounds. I loved it. Thank you Thank very you. much. You know, being brother and sister, you two have been making music side by side since you were very little. But I read that it was your experiences playing for kids at a Shriners hospital that made you both really want to formalize this partnership as a duo. What were some of those powerful experiences like at the hospital? Um, so when Aiden and I went to Shriners Children's Hospital in Sacramento over here, and we were, had the opportunity to play for these kids who don't get to get out of the hospital very often, if at all, they're kind of stuck there for, for the time being, and they don't get to have normal interactions with, with people outside of the hospital. So it was very cool to be able to reach out to them and provide like music and a regular interaction for them and connect with them. And uh, I think that was really touching and what kind of instigated and started our idea for the duo. Do either of you have any specific memories that stand out of kind of that moment when you realize, wow, my music is is really moving these these kids or making a difference for them. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there was this kid and his mom and they, they came up and they were kind of like off in the distance listening and eventually they came up to us and like the mom was like crying and the kid was, he was really happy and that experience was just really like cool and it really touched us to want to start our uh, duo together. I think that healing arts is becoming more and more uh, prominent in the way arts organizations, you know, all around the country are engaging with communities. And, uh, you know, that's exciting to me because it is a beautiful thing to use music to, to bring healing to people. Absolutely. Watching the two of you play together just now, it's so clear that you're so focused and, and you're locked into one another. And I know that you both feel that that your ability to focus like that has actually been refined by another activity that you both do, which is fencing. So, Andrew, what sorts of experiences in fencing have you had that you think have taught you about focus? Uh, yeah, uh, a specific experience that kind of uh, helped me there was actually recently, uh, last year in November, uh, I was in San Diego doing a, a kind of a big tournament there, and uh, I was doing really good. And, and I was just on fire, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got this. But then I got ahead of myself, and I lost focus, and I got a little too comfortable, and uh, I just went down. I just got cooked. So it's, it's kind of like that way in the music performance when you're like, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I've got this piece. I, I'm doing so good. And then, and then you think about it, and you have a memory slip. That's basically what it was. So trying not mm -hmm. to get ahead of myself has definitely helped me focus and just stay in the moment and kind of helped me connect with Aiden just eye contact, all that kind of stuff. is. I think that's kind of a way that helped me. Yeah, staying in the moment. Uh, I know I've had that exact thing happen to me where you think, I'm nailing it, and then that's when it, that's when it happens. Do the two of you ever spar with each other fencing-wise? Yes. We used to not. We used to hate each other for that at fencing. <laughs> yeah, our coaches nice. would, like, separate us because they're, like, siblings, like, for Andrew and I. 
uh, siblings-wise, when we would fence, we'd get way too over-competitive and kind of just start whacking each other, basically. <laughs> but now, now we're cooler with each other, and we, we use it to improve. You know, we're lucky that we don't have necessarily a winner or a loser when you give a musical performance. Aiden, what would you say you appreciate about sharing the stage and being on stage with your brother? I feel like sharing the stage with my brother, I tend to get more nervous on stage than he does. And um, being that he's my sibling, it's it's when I get like a little nervous or uncomfortable on stage mm -hmm. or before we go on, he he cracks a joke or he just says, you know, something comforting, be like, we got this. And it really just calms you down before you go on stage. And that's what I really appreciate about him being there with me before yeah. we go on stage. Yeah, just calming and getting rid of all the butterflies. That good older brother energy. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, the nice thing about being a musical duo is that you get to be partners and create something beautiful together. And you absolutely did that for us today. It was just such a pleasure to hear you both perform. Thanks for being here. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Aiden and Andrew Barbuda, teenage siblings from Sacramento, California. The young performers on our show are so impressive, sometimes you've just got to see it to believe it. And that's pretty easy to do, actually. Just go to fromthetop.org and check out all the fun video we put out every week. Not only do we have photos and video of our young players making radio with us, we've got our Daily Joy video series, virtual concerts, raucous pop music covers, and more. That's at FromTheTop.org. Peter Dugan here. And it's only happened once or twice in From the Top's entire history that the show has been able to feature a young person whose musical passion is the harpsichord. But we're breaking that dry spell right now with a harpsichordist who's just 14 years old. And like any good American teen, he really rocks out, as you're about to hear. I mean, seriously, rocks out. Out. This is Torsten Frost from Haverford, Pennsylvania, performing La Marche des Cites by Joseph Nicolas Pancras Royer. Thank you. 
Torsten Frost, 14 years old, from Haverford, Pennsylvania, performed La Marche des Cites by Joseph-Nicolas Poncras Royer. Torsten, some of the words that came to mind as you were playing for me, just I'm just going to rattle these off. Glorious, um, exuberant, thrilling, uh, breathtaking. I so enjoyed that. Thank you. I, uh, I aim to please. <laughs> I have to say, it's, it's really rare for us to have a teenage harpsichordist on the program. I think it may have happened like once before in the show's history. How did you get into playing this historical Baroque instrument? Well, so uh, my mom, she plays piano, and my dad, he's, uh, he's a big fan of classical music, but also of Baroque music, and mm. he always wanted the three of us, uh, my brothers and I, he wanted us to play harpsichord, and I wanted to play harpsichord because I wanted to hear Bach's music as he would have heard it, because I, I personally don't like transcriptions or arrangements because I guess it doesn't sound as pure to me. I think it's so fascinating. You and I both play the keyboard, of, but of course I'm completely aware of how different the demands are of the harpsichord versus the piano. How do you experience that difference between playing the piano and playing the harpsichord? Well, I think, uh, for one, the touch on the harpsichord is very different um, because with the harpsichord, uh, the piano, it strikes the keys with a hammer, but with the harpsichord, it plucks them with uh, right. a plectra, which is sometimes made out of um, bird quill, sometimes boar bristle or plastic sometimes. And so the touch is very different, but also on a harpsichord, the, uh, there's no dynamics, and so we have to make ways to, um, to simulate dynamics and colors. Can you demonstrate for us how you make a phrase have a shape to it um, without relying on dynamics? Because, you know, when I play a phrase on the piano, there's always a little bit of a diminuendo at the tail or some kind of, you know, dynamic way of, of making that arc. Show us how, how you manage that without dynamics. Well, as a harpsichordist, um, I have to simulate dynamics. Uh, and so there are four main ways to simulate dynamics. Uh, one would be through articulation, another through timing, a third through uh, ornamentation, and a fourth through string coupling. And I'm going to show you two. So I'm going to show you articulation. And so that's mm -hmm. uh, connecting or disconnecting the notes and uh, string coupling. And so the first, um, the way that you would sound without uh, any articulation would be just legato. And this is what it would sound like. But with uh, articulation, it would sound something more like this. Now, that was a bit over-exaggerated, but that's how you would bring uh, yeah. the ear's attention to certain notes and create. Yeah, I notes. love the way that that articulate version really pops and sparkles. And by slightly elongating the more important notes, you're able to draw our ear's attention to the high points of the phrase. So how about coupling? Uh, for coupling, uh, the, it uses, the harpsichord has usually two sets of strings, sometimes three. And so I've set the, my upper keyboard to play uh, only one set of strings uh, and the bottom to play two sets of strings at once. And so the upper is going to sound quieter and the lower is going to sound louder. And so this is what it would sound like on the upper manual.
But then on the lower manual, it would sound like this. Which gives wow. it a slightly more like uh, electric sound and it's also louder. Yeah, I mean, it's so much more like reverberant. I hear all those overtones. And it's just amazing how what we can learn as pianists, too, from listening to you describe what you do on the harpsichord. So thanks for teaching us all a little bit today. Thank you. Thank you. Torsten Frost, 14 years old, from Haverford, Pennsylvania. Well, all this talk about Baroque music has got me wanting to play some. And so to take us out of the show today, I thought I'd offer you some music by Johann Sebastian Bach. Definitely in a more mellow vein than the Pancras Royer, but that's just the kind of mood I'm in. So I hope you'll go there with me. But before I begin, I want to thank all the young performers we've met today, not only for sharing their music with us, but also for sharing their humanity. And to you, listening while doing the dishes or out with the dogs, or just sitting down trying to unwind, keep the faith, and thanks for spending some time with us today. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and here's the Sarabon from Bach's French Suite Number no. 5 in G major. From the Top is written and produced by Tim Banker, with music director Megan Swan, production manager Matt Dykeman, and assistant producer David Norville. Sound design and editing by John Escobar. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. I'm Joanne Robinson. Special thanks to the engineers of our remote sessions, including Michael Culler at Interlochen Public Radio, Doug Ross at Turtle Studios, Philadelphia, Peter DeLeon at the Track Shack in Sacramento, and Steve Call at Wild Sound Recording Studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Howard and Geraldine Pollinger Family Foundation, committed to nurturing the development of talented emerging artists and sharing the joy that the performing arts bring to life. From the William T. Grant Foundation, working to harness the power of research to make a difference in the lives of children, teens, and young adults for more than 80 years. Learn more at wtgrantfdn.org. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.